Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Smart Muslimer Podcast. My name is Farhat Amin. I'm your host. Have you subscribed? It only takes a minute and if you do, you'll never miss an episode again. Love the podcast? Well, please leave a review on whichever platform you are listening on and why not share it on WhatsApp or Instagram? My handle is farhatamin underscore UK. So please go ahead and follow me and share it with your friends, inshallah. As part of the research for my book, Smart Teenage Muslimer, I read the book The Case Against the Sexual Revolution by Louise Perry. Perry describes herself as a feminist who is critical of the mainstream feminist movement. She's often associated with conservative feminists or anti-feminist feminist movement, which challenges some of the assumptions and priorities of mainstream feminism. She said in an interview with Andrew Doyle in The Critic, which was published in January 30, the 30, 31st of January 2020, I see myself as a feminist who is critical of the mainstream feminist movement, I believe in gender equality and women's rights, but I also believe in critical thinking and challenging conventional wisdom. I want to promote a more inclusive and nuanced discussion of gender and sexuality, one that takes into account the diverse experiences and perspectives of women. So she isn't a typical feminist. That's the, I think that's one reason why I wanted to read the book, because... As you may know, and based on all the reading and research I've done, the majority of feminists actually think the sexual revolution was a good thing for women. So, as I delved into the book, I couldn't help but be struck by her words, raw honesty and piercing insight. Perry's book is a powerful critique of the sexual revolution and its negative impact on Western society. In her analysis, 
Perry exposes the damage that has been inflicted upon the traditional family structure and the values that underpin it. She argues that the sexual revolution was not a liberating force but had had negative consequences, particularly for women. So this was a really interesting book to read and the reason I read it for Smart Teenage Muslimer was I wanted to, you know, I personally and many other Muslims believe that the sexual revolution is was awful for women and men and what I wanted to know was what has the, I was looking at the effects on young women in particular and so there aren't that many books that you can, written by non-Muslims, that you can reference, that you can, you know, and also who've bothered to do the research and, you know, done hard work into, you know, looking at this rather because it's easy just to copy and parrot the narrative given by mainstream, you know, whether it's history studies, whether it's social studies, uh, whether it's popular culture, everyone is saying, you know, hurrah, this was the best thing since sliced bread. And here's Perry saying, no, it wasn't. So the book's first section overviews the sexual revolution and its impact on society. Perry contends that the sexual revolution was not a spontaneous movement, but was carefully orchestrated by intellectuals and activists. The author identifies several vital figures instrumental in promoting the sexual revolution, including Herbert Marcuse, I've probably pronounced that surname wrong, Wilhelm Reich and Betty Friedan. Perry asserts that these figures profoundly influence society and their, their ideas continue to shape our culture today. Because if you want to understand what's happening now, you know, when you look at certain things and you think, why are, you know, for example, how did we get to the point where we've got this very Tinder-esque culture where people are just jumping into bed with total strangers, they are going to bars, they are going to clubs and picking up random strangers and going to bed with them and that's it and then don't see them again and they're just doing this continuously continuously and we are being told as women that yeah that is how you are going to be happy that's what will um that's one way you can find a husband that is what we are being told to do and it stems from what happened in the sexual revolution now many of you have probably heard of betty friedan she wrote the book um Oh gosh, my mind has just suddenly, the name has gone, it will come back to me. But she talked about the problem with no name, where women who, if you're a housewife, you are bored, stiff, you hate your life, and, you know, you need to get out and go to work and stop taking care of your kids, hand over to strangers, babysitters, and you go out and work and become a wage slave, and that will be much more fulfilling than taking care of yourself, your family, your husband, your kids, your home. That's what she's famous for. And um, yeah, I will remember that name in a minute. Um, I'll be honest, since I've had chemotherapy, my memory has 
definitely got worse, but it, alhamdulillah, it is getting better. Uh, so back to the book. One of the most compelling aspects of the case against the sexual revolution is Perry's willingness to confront the uncomfortable truths of our time. She writes, we are living in a society that has embraced a new moral code which prizes sexual pleasure above all else. The new, this new moral code has led to a proliferation of pornography, casual sex and other forms of sexual indulgence, eroding our community's social fabric. So, mashallah, this woman is intelligent. She, uh, one thing I will say is this book is not a comfortable read. When I say uncomfortable truths, it's a lot of it is actually very depressing. When you, she, she cites statistics and studies and trends about the, you know, mental health of women, how it's so much worse than when, you know, prior to the sexual revolution, the cases of sexual assault, the cases of um, sexual harassment and rape and child abuse and teen abuse and predatory behaviour. And even, you know, domestic violence included in sexual, you know, within sexual relations. And so if you don't like reading about things like that, you're not going to like this book. But I did have to, like, push through because I wanted to do my research well. So that's just a little red flag there for anyone who doesn't like to read about those things. So... Perry's critique of the sexual revolution is unapologetically feminist. As she notes how the movement has undermined women's dignity and autonomy, she says, page 22, the sexual revolution has not been good for women. It has turned women into objects of desire rather than autonomous individuals with their own desires and aspirations. Her examination of how the sexual revolution has perpetuated gender inequality is insightful and necessary. So yeah, she, at the beginning of the book, she talks about Marilyn Monroe. She gives this comparison to Marilyn Monroe and Hugh Hefner, the guy who um, founded Playboy, and the treatment of the two and how... It's really that was really interesting um, read, reading that, and because I'd never thought of it like that. Because the way that Marilyn Monroe is, you know, in, portrayed in popular culture, she was this like happy, sexy model and actress who was, you know, just so like living her best life out there, and she's so iconic. But she committed suicide and died a very miserable life. And, um, but she was, she's put up as this, like, sex kitten, and women look up to her. Maybe I, maybe like this generation, you know, the younger generation don't, but there's a time when she is seen as, wow, to be like Marilyn Monroe and to look like Marilyn Monroe is the pinnacle of, um, you know, what a woman would want, especially when she was, you know, in her making movies you know like some like it hot and you know movies like that but she was she was a you know a mega star but it all relied on her sexual appeal so 
Now, one of the most impressive aspects of the case against sexual revolution is Perry's ability to connect the dots between seemingly disparate social phenomena. She notes, for example, that the rise of hookup culture and the decline of the traditional family structure are not separate issues, but intimately connected. She writes, uh, the sexual revolution has contributed to the breakdown of the traditional family structure by promoting a culture of casual sex and temporary relationship. That's in page 62. This kind of analysis is crucial for understanding the complex way social phenomena intersect and interact with one another. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now, one reason why I would say read this book is that if you are someone who thinks traditional family structure is bad, well, here's the alternative. And it's it's a nightmare, frankly, for women. And it's very nice to have a non-Muslim saying what Muslims have been saying for a very long time. And I'll be honest, there are... There is no one, apart from maybe you got in conservative Christians who also say this. I'm talking about the West, I'm not talking about the Muslim world or even other cultures. You know, you have mashallah in, even in non-Muslim cultures, whether it's, you know, in, you know, I don't, I don't know the details of, you know, of other cultures. But you see, if you go to, whether it's Africa or, um, you know, basically anywhere the east frankly you will see they still believe and even if we think of south america um they still have a very strong like concept of family and helping each other and loving each other and being together and husband wife children you know two genders that kind of family and extended family as well we can't ignore that that staying connected to your extended family having um, relations with your you know a close relationship with your uncles aunties grandparents that is still there and she is saying this book that that is important to have and how the sexual revolution it attacked the family structure so much to the point because when you're saying to everyone that you are autonomous you have you can do what you want no one can tell you what to do your dad can't tell you your mum you know, your aunties and uncles, they can't interfere in your life, then what are you left with? You're just an individual doing what you want and you are not willing to listen, not willing to take out time, not willing to visit. You know, you've got the case for people, 
as we know, they only see each other on Christmas. Now, is it the case that we don't want to become like them, where we only see each other on Eid and or, you know, don't make an effort because we don't want to listen or have, you know, anyone asking us about what are we doing with our job or what are we doing regarding marriage like these people can't ask me these questions so therefore I'm not going to see them who are they to interfere in my life and that's what um has happened thanks to one aspect there are many reasons but one big one is the idea of the sexual revolution so again another strength is that the research that she's done she provides numerous examples to support her arguments and draws on various sources including academic studies, historical documents and contemporary news articles. The level of research lends credibility to her views and makes her book a valuable resource. So also her views are grounded in her own personal experiences and observations and um, for example she is married, um, she has children and some people haven't liked what she has said. Uh, so some of her assertions have not gone unchallenged. Detractors of the book argue that her analysis is overly simplistic and fails to take into account the many benefits of the sexual revolution. For example, Eleanor Morgan in a review in The Guardian argues that Perry's book ignores the fact that many of us would rather live in a world where we have greater sexual agency, less shame, and more autonomy over our bodies. Now, Morgan's critique highlights the tension between traditional values and the desire for greater personal freedom and autonomy. And I think Morgan hits nail on the head where she is a very typical liberal progressive. And what liberal progressives believe is that having sexual agency is good it's actually like a fundamental human right and no one has the right to shame me when it comes to my sexual choices who I choose to sleep with who I choose to dump who whether I want to you know if I get pregnant and then I want to have an abortion you can't tell me what to do and that's why she doesn't like the book because Perry is um She's pointing out, well, because this is this is what I found hilarious that she's saying the benefits of the sexual revolution. Now, from her belief system, so this is Eleanor Morgan's belief system. It the if you believe in human the human right to you know do what you want, you have your personal choice, you have this. And, and it's really important, I'll, I'll mention autonomy and agency because they are fundamental liberal values. And you have this idea that I, maybe she's completely secular, or if you're a, you know, maybe she's an atheist, I genuinely don't know. But if someone believes that as a human being, I wasn't created by um, God, I wasn't created by Allah, uh, there will be no afterlife. Um, there will be no um, accountability. There, therefore, I am my own lord and master or mistress. So, therefore, that's your way of thinking. Yeah, that's what you're thinking when it comes to like you're just made up of um, 
atoms and muscle and bone and cells. There's no soul. So if that is how you think, then the you measure how what is good or bad based on you what makes you feel good or bad. You you create your own moral code, and especially when it comes to the idea of when it comes to sexual ethics, you create your own set of ethics, and that is what. Be under no illusion that is what liberals think. So therefore, under what with that you know basis. The sexual revolution is a good thing, yeah, because you choose, you, you have autonomy, and that's brilliant. So, therefore, it's not surprising that she doesn't like the book. Other critics of the book argue that Perry's analysis is rooted in a conservative worldview that is not representative of all members of society. <clears throat> in a review for the new statements, Amelia Tate notes that Perry's book assumes that everyone has the same desire for a traditional family structure and conservative sexual values. Tate's critique highlights the need for a more nuanced and inclusive discussion on these issues. And what I would say is that we can observe that in the West the they assume that everyone has a desire for a liberal progressive set of sexual values and that isn't true that they make assumptions about how they believe things should be and they expect anyone who has conservative values so that would include muslims and when we say conservative what that means is we believe that when you, if you want to have sex, you get married and you have that with commitment, you have that with um, rules and regulations, you have that with a responsibility mindset rather than an irresponsible mindset and a pleasure mindset, which is what they have. So that I would push back very strongly against that criticism and um, I think that's something we really need to do more, that when people are saying we and our views are in the minority, we should turn it around and say, actually, no, just because you believe that doesn't mean everyone else has to. So despite these critiques, I believe that the book is good, is very good. While it's true that for sexually promiscuous liberals, the sexual revolution has brought about positive changes in their opinion it's also true that negative consequences must be addressed for women and families perry's willingness to confront these issues head-on is a welcome and refreshing change from the often superficial and politically correct discussion that dominates our public discourse despite the power and insight of her analysis her arguments do have some weaknesses for example she does tend to oversimplify the causes of certain social phenomena. She argues, for instance, that the sexual revolution is solely responsible for the decline in birth rates in Western countries. While the sexual revolution has undoubtedly played a role in this decline, other factors such as economic changes and changing social norms also contribute to this trend. You know, so that, that is one point. And although I found myself agreeing with a lot of things, Perry wrote, ultimately, I could not agree with her solutions for her 
all her foundational principles. As a Muslim, and I think a lot of Muslims who think about this issue, you know, deeply and have read around the subject, they would believe and they understand that submission and obedience is to Allah, not to our desires. We choose what Allah chooses for us. And I think, so this is something that she said in an interview with um, Joanna Williams in Spiked, which was published in January 29, 2020. She said, I think women are capable of making their own choices and decisions, and we need to trust and respect that. It's not our place to tell women what they should or shouldn't do with their bodies or their lives. So, for Muslim, that is so opposite to what we believe, that we believe that Allah makes the choices for us, and we make our choices and decisions based on the framework within our prophetic tradition and our sacred text that would be the Quran and you know within the fiqh uh, the Islamic jurisprudence that has existed and you know and it's not just for women this applies to men as well men and women Muslim men and women have to make choices and decisions based within that framework so that's why I don't agree with her foundational principles or the some of the solutions some issues she for example you know, are when it's within the mubah, permissible, uh, I, I'd agree with her, but um, that is sh what she believes, and we don't believe that. And I think if as a Muslim woman you're listening to this, and it's become very okay to think like that now, and you've got Muslims saying this, you know, we should make our own choices and our decisions, um, as a Muslim we have to remember because we believe this, we will meet our creator, we will be accountable to him. Um, when we have said, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, that means that we are going to obey and submit to Allah. If Now, if that is jarring for you, then that's something you need to think about and start studying and looking into why is that so such an issue for me. And I would say... You need to, that's something I had to do, I definitely had to do that, um, and I still have to do that on certain issues, And but my, fundamentally I know I have to, it's not just about what I want, I, it's not about following my desires only. So, the book's available, um, you can get it on Amazon, you know, you can, it's, um, I, th I think, uh, what I did like, that she, she she's speaking to a <coughs> like you know her audience are your average non-muslim women really and one thing she says is we need to reclaim the values of love commitment and sacrifice that have been eroded by the sexual revolution that's on page 194 and um she's looking at the dire state of women um you know it could be you know mainly in the west because I don't think she, her research doesn't really look into the East um, as much, uh, really. But she is very, one thing you do that does come across from her writing is she's very concerned about the well-being and um, safety of women. And her message to women is that you need to rethink this pup that you've been sold, that you, the secretary, you, you go and, have your own mini sexual revolution every day of your life 
and that somehow you will be that is empowering that it's empowering to sleep with strangers it's empowering to sexualize yourself from a young age that it's empowering to um, just accept lock stock and barrel the whole LGBTQI um, narrative I that's me that's my bit I'm adding to, to this but it's it's very good to finally hear non-muslim women she, she's still a feminist as I said she's still a liberal but she is being more honest about um, what's going on in western society and I think that that is a very good thing so inshallah if you I'll be including more book reviews in in this podcast and just something to let you know alhamdulillah my you can now subscribe to my podcast as in paid subscriptions and when you do that you will unlock episodes only for exclusively for subscribers and by subscribing you support this podcast you allow me to continue putting out more Islamic content which I love doing and yeah it's just a way to to show your support you know alhamdulillah I know you guys thank you for your duas thank you for your reviews and um yeah and now tzakallah khair for if you have um joined the paid subscription as well okay then take care assalamu alaikum inshallah if you enjoyed this podcast then I would like to invite you to become a paid subscriber when you become a subscriber, you can unlock exclusive podcast episodes just for you. And inshallah, your support will mean that I can continue this service, which I've been providing for free for many years. And inshallah, we really need more Islamic podcasts that discuss the challenges that Muslim women and girls face. So hit the subscribe button today and instantly you will get access to so many more episodes. 